As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hello there, it's Megan. Welcome back to another episode, a solo episode on the show. Today's topic is a juicy one. It's also a very hot topic in the entrepreneurial space, team success. So when when your business gets to a point where you realize that you've gotten your business as far as you can get it by yourself with a virtual assistant that's probably working... 15, 20 hours a week. Maybe you have someone supporting you a little bit here and there with social media. Maybe you have someone helping you a little bit here and there with graphics. If you've got a podcast, you probably have some sort of podcast management going on. You know, you've got a couple of people here and there that are supporting you in some key areas. Uh, When you're transitioning into realizing, you know, you've gotten your business as far as you can get it without having some key team players on your team the game really changes. And whether that means you're bringing on full-time employees, part-time employees, or working with a marketing agency, the way that you think about your business, the way that you think about your position in your business, the way that you feel about yourself as a CEO, the way you feel about your position in your own company, and the actions that you're taking on a daily basis, it really does start to shift. So one of the areas that I believe to be the number one area of frustration and irritation and comes with a lot of growing pains for a period of time in a company, it does have to do with team. It's almost always surrounding team. And I saw this when I was a, I had a position as second in command for a large scale coaching company for a number of years. And our biggest pain point always revolved around team. And when I have been brought in for consulting opportunities over the last year to year and a half, I have actually been brought in to facilitate improvements in the category of client experience, client results, client success, and have worked very closely with a number of companies' program directors. I've built out entire accountability systems for their group coaching programs. We have looked at building better client management systems. We look at retention. We look at format and structure of the programs uh, because everybody I've worked with has had rapid growth with their groups. It's largely what's bringing in a million plus dollars a year. And you know when you're when you're working with 50 people and then that all of a sudden goes up to 250 people, it's just a different ballgame. So to scale the way that you are guiding and leading your programs, it really does change. And something that I noticed when I would come in, because I would start with doing this really extensive audit and I would talk to a few of their team members to gather information that I needed. I would interview current clients and past clients, especially past clients who didn't continue on in the ecosystem. I would look at all of the systems, processes, SOPs, but I was specifically looking at all the systems, processes, SOPs, and documentation that 
related to the actual program that I was coming in and consulting on. And so something that I would find out very quickly is that, wait a minute, there are a lot of other points of frustration and irritation and concern. And largely it would have to do with a shift in leadership, team management, project management, and not just systems and processes and SOPs and procedures and operations as it related to the programs themselves, but really every single area, department, and nook and cranny of the business. And I would talk to the CEOs and oftentimes what they would tell me and the the thing that I would notice them talking about the most from a place of frustration, feeling like they're beating their head against a wall, uh, feeling like, you know, this isn't fun anymore. This isn't what I signed up for. It all revolved around team. And so I started really paying attention to what's going on with team. And, you know, the truth is, if you are going through or experiencing frustration with team, you're not special. And it is absolutely not unique to you and your business. It's going to happen in everybody's business. And you typically start to feel this at higher six figures, moving into million plus in revenue a year because your team is going to start to shift and change a little bit because you now cannot be as heavily involved as you once were in the daily operations and weeds of your business. And you're going to feel that in the low millions, you know, one million, two, three, four million a year. And then you're going to experience that again, probably when you're crossing 10 and then going on to 20, the game is just going to change again with team. Now, When we talk about team, I am very much of the philosophy and the ideology to keep your team as small as you possibly can. One of the biggest points of frustration that I'm seeing with companies that are doing one, two, three million a year annually in their businesses is that they have eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 people on their team. Maybe one or two of those are full-time, possibly a third is full-time, but usually only see one or two that are full-time. Other people might be part-time. You see a lot of those people who are contractors, um, multiple VAs, multiple associate coaches, people who also have their own businesses, who are building out their own agency, but they have lots of other clients. And so it's just sort of like this hodgepodge of different people, but it's a lot. And you see a whole lot of overlap of jobs. So you may have five or six people all supporting in the category of marketing. But if you truly looked at what your needs were and what the skills of all of your, all five of those people are, you could probably reduce that down to one or two, or you could exit all of them and you could bring in a very, very high level agency. And, and look, there's lots of different options, but I am all about cost savings. I'm all about keeping your team expenses to around 30% and reducing the number of people that you or someone like a manager or a director or a leader on your team has to manage. There are, when you have too many people, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too much complexity. There's too much confusion. There's there's a, a lot of overwhelm. There's overlap of roles and responsibilities. There is a lack of clarity in who owns what, and then things don't get done. Things fall through the cracks. You feel like you're having to slow down to speed up. And now you're like, I'm not a great manager. I'm not a great project manager. I'm not a great manager of people. I just want it done. So team 
People in process, people and process are going to be your best friend when you are navigating this new level in your business. And, you know, I will save this for another episode, but there are new skills in the category of leadership and communication that are very important for you as a CEO to acquire. And, you know, Again, I'll do another episode on this, but where I want to invite you as the company owner to really start paying attention is be aware of where you may not fully be taking 100% responsibility, even when it comes to your own team making mistakes. I was chatting with someone recently and she we were having this conversation and she said, one of my team members for my most recent launch sent out a series of emails that went out to the wrong segment of the list. And there were incorrect dates and links inside of those emails. And this is a launch for her signature program. And she only fills it three times a year. And we could look at this, you know, one of two ways. It is 100% that team member's fault. Right. So if all of the responsibility is put on the team member and none of the, and the business owner is taking none of the responsibility, just think about how the business owner would handle that situation versus this particular business owner said, I took 100% responsibility for those mistakes. And she said, my other two team members were telling me I was so wrong and that it was absolutely this other team member's fault and that. I shouldn't be taking 100% responsibility for someone else's mistakes on my team. And she said, but wait a minute, take full 100% responsibility. My perspective, my thoughts, my feelings, and my energy, and my actions are completely different. And they're going to lead to a right solution for me, this team member, the entire team, and the clients, and the company. Versus if I didn't take 100% responsibility for that. And she took 100% responsibility that perhaps maybe she didn't communicate something properly. Maybe there was not proper procedure or protocol in place. That is the responsibility and the duty and the job of the business owner to ensure that those things are in place so that the team can be successful. Now, it doesn't take anything away from the fact that the team member made multiple mistakes. And the business owner can talk very directly and concisely to that team member about that. And there might be some consequences or repercussions for that. But you also want to create an environment for your team where when mistakes are made, that the team can actually work together and communicate and be adults and find a a better solution so that it doesn't repeat again. Where we have the problem is when we have repeat offending mistakes and it's the same mistake that's being made over and over and over again. And the business owner just continues to get more and more irritated, flabbergasted, and frustrated. And typically, the reason why that's happening is you could have the wrong people on the team. You could have people who are in the wrong spots on the team. And until the business owner takes full 100% responsibility for everything that's working and everything that's not working, the business owner's mind will be clouded and won't be able to see what's the truth of what's really going on. And then we'll have a very hard time handling that at the level that they're capable of handling it, that it should be handled at. So if you resonate with any of that, 
let me know. Let, let me know in the review if you're going through anything like this yourself with your team, your company, your operations. You can really feel those growing pains in your own leadership or you know, when it comes to you leading your team and leading your company to the next level. If you are, reach out to me. You can easily reach out to me on Voxer at Megan J. Huber. You can send me a message on Facebook or Instagram directly. Or if you love email, you can email me at info at structuredfreedom.com. I'd love to have a conversation with you and ask you some questions about what's really going on. My business partner and I do provide consulting inside of companies who are at this stage, both on the front of house marketing and sales, and also back of house team leadership, team culture, operations, uh, program client experience, uh, very full circle. So if you're resonating with this, certainly reach out to me and let's have a conversation about uh, what's really going on. And I'm happy to provide some resources and solutions. And if it makes sense for us to have a conversation about working together uh, with myself and my business partner, we can absolutely uh, take a look at what that would entail. So I want to give you three key uh, tips here that are going to help you uh, improve your team's success, because ultimately it does start with us as the business owner, right? Number one, Ensure that you have a written three-year vision and every single person on your team has access of a written copy of that vision and that you and your team are reviewing the written copy of your three-year vision quarterly, right? So that should be reviewed. Now, you may be someone who doesn't really work well with specific goals and uh, timelines and things like that. However, for the people on your team, your leaders or your managers or the doers on your team, they actually are, they have to have very specific 90-day goals, monthly goals, KPIs, metrics, certain activities that they are moving forward, certain outcomes that they are working toward on a daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis. And those also have to be reviewed because if you don't have the three-year vision, if you don't reverse engineer that three-year vision and then constantly reiterate and talk about and measure with your team the 12-month plan, the 12-month goals that are broken down into quarterly goals and daily and weekly activities and benchmarks and outcomes and metrics and KPIs, I know things that might make your brain spin. Your team can't actually be the A players that you expect them to be. And oftentimes what I find is the business owner, I've not yet met a business owner that had a written three-year vision that their team had access to. Yet what I will hear the business owner say is, well, of course I know what the vision is. And of course the team knows what the vision is. And then there's almost this silent expectation that the team should just always know what to do, when to do it, who's responsible for what, and get an ROI on every single thing that they're doing. And it just doesn't work. Also in the three-year vision, you want to include a very clear organizational chart. This will really help reduce the number of people who you may be hiring to do a lot of little odd jobs that you're just trying to take off your plate. You could have such a fewer number of core team members uh, who can execute, who can lead, who can vision, who can strategize, who can move things forward, who will create an ROI for you, which is also going to reduce the time spent, your time spent in your company, it's going to reduce your stress levels as well. So that is so important. 
And when it comes to hiring, hire for your weaknesses. This is all going to be part of your vision. Number two, set your team up for success. What does that mean? Absolutely. If you are at a stage where you are bringing team on, it is critical to the success of those individual team members. Even if you hire an A player who's been an A player everywhere they've ever been, Uh, even if you hired an entrepreneur who is leaving their own business. I did that. I did that when I worked for the the large-scale coaching company I've worked for. I left my own business behind in 2014, Um, left that company at the end of 2016, and then rebooted my own business again in 2017. So it's not uncommon that there are plenty of very successful A-level entrepreneurs out there who would love to be a leader on your team or play some sort of big role on your team. Now, even those folks, you still have to have a proper onboarding process, proper training for them that is not just a one-hour conversation the day you hire them, proper coaching and mentoring from you on your team. That needs to happen very strongly for the first 90 days of, of their time on your team. And then periodically, you want to be meeting with them one-on-one. So that is so important. You want to have systems in place for them. Those systems need to have proper documentation. You want to also make sure that you're having regular meetings that are run properly and help that person decide what the most important KPIs and metrics are that they are tracking on a daily and weekly basis. And just ensure that you know what their roles and responsibilities are and that every single person on your team understands everybody else's roles, responsibilities, metrics, and KPIs. That's really critical. Oftentimes we hire people and we think they're just going to bring all that with them. And that's not the case even for your A players. And lastly, company culture. Company culture is so important. And you are the one who sets that company culture up from the get-go, from the moment that you are interviewing someone to join your team, you are setting the tone of the company culture. Whether you have contractors, agencies, or full-time employees, or a combination of all the above, you are the one setting that company culture. So be very clear about what it is. Consistently communicate it to your team as well. A couple of things about culture here. You want to establish and constantly reiterate mutual love, trust, and respect between you and each individual team member, between you and the team as a whole, and between each individual team member as well. That's so important. You want to cultivate a culture of transparency, of trust, of honesty. There's a lot of different ways to do that with properly running team meetings, having daily huddles, the way that you are providing a feedback loop to your team. You know, one of the worst things that we could do is constantly tell our team how confused we are or how unhappy we are or how overwhelmed we are or how much we dislike what they are producing, even if those things may be true for you in your own mind and that may feel like your reality. We want to have a culture where we are consistently and frequently helping our team build their skill and their competency level and also build their confidence. So part of this is some self-reflection and really be honest with yourself and reflect, am I communicating and leading and mentoring, coaching, and training my team in a way 
that is consistently and frequently building their skill and competency level while also building their confidence. So if you imagine, you know, a ladder and your team member is standing at the bottom of the ladder and they're stepping up one rung at a time, one foot goes up, build their skill. The next foot goes up, build their confidence. The next foot next foot goes up, build their skill level. The next foot goes up, build their confidence. So again, even if you're bringing in top of the line team members, you still are required to support them in those key areas. So quick recap, in order for your team to be set up to be successful from the minute that they step foot into your company, and this is not an end-all be-all list by any stretch of the imagination, I can give you 20 different things. Make sure you have a written three-year vision. Your Every single one of your team members has a copy of that, and you review it as a team every 90 days. That's what you're going to use to reverse engineer plans, goals, metrics, KPIs, activities on a daily basis. Set your team up for success by having a proper onboarding, training, development, coaching, and mentoring program set up for them, and then establish a company culture of mutual love, trust, and respect, and communicate in a way that really cultivates that. Like I said, if you are someone who's really resonating with this and your company is in a position where you just feel like you're drowning in the day-to-day operations and the weeds of your business and your company's really crossed this threshold and you can no longer do things the way that you've been doing them in the past and you're going through some brand new growing pains that you've never experienced before and maybe your mind is even telling you that it shouldn't be this way and you want to throw in the towel or it's just not fun anymore reach out to me. You can boxer me at Megan J. Huber directly. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. You can uh, send me an email at info at structuredfreedom.com. All of this is in the show notes. And let me know what's going on. We can have some back and forth conversation about it. And if it is a good fit, my business partner and I can certainly come in and support you uh, with where your company is going in the future, in the next 12 to 24 months. And if you found great value from this episode, please share it out. It is the best way for us to increase our listenership. And also leave us a review with your feedback. Tell us what you loved about this episode. Tell us what you would love to hear more. And we are happy to bring that to you. So with that, make sure you design your business and life that is built to last. Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.